0: Let me invite you, if you have a Bible you would like to, turn to Romans chapter 12. Uh, If you don't have a Bible or if you don't have an electronic device that'll get you there, don't worry, it'll be up on the screen uh, in just a minute. Last week, the Kansas City Chiefs and the Oakland Raiders uh, played against each other, and that's a pretty heated rivalry in the... uh, AFC. And there's a point in the game where one of the uh, defensive players for Kansas City roughed up the quarterback from Oakland. And uh, the penalty flag was thrown, but even as the penalty flag was thrown, offensive linemen don't like it when you rough their quarterback. So, you know, collectively about 1,600 pounds of offensive linemen fell on this guy that had roughed up the quarterback. And they were going to make sure that he got a very clear message that he ought not do that again when from over on the sideline for the Oakland Raiders, Marshawn Lynch, who's who's their star running back, comes sprinting onto the field and kind of injects himself into the middle of this melee, but as he does so, he puts his hands on the referee. What, he didn't hit the referee; wasn't attacking the referee. But he just he just put his hands on the referee. That's a big no no. So he got kicked out of that game, and he has uh, gotten fined. He doesn't get to play this Sunday. Uh, and everybody thought, well, why did he jump in there? You know, those big guys were taking care of his quarterback. Well, as it turns out, he wasn't there to protect his quarterback. The guy that roughed the quarterback was his cousin. And he was actually there to try to protect his cousin from getting murdered by the offensive lineman. When you go to help somebody, you, sometimes it gets a little messy. Sometimes it can even get a little confusing. Sometimes you've got to scratch your head and go, what exactly was I trying to do here in the first place? The sermon series that we have been in, uh, involved in throughout the fall has been called Room to Grow. And this morning, we're going to consider what it's, uh, what's important about helping one another. We're looking at that, looking at two words. How do we care for one another? How do we serve one another? And I, one of the things I love about Green Tree is that uh, the serving and the caring aspects of Green Tree, I think, are very healthy and very strong today. That doesn't mean there isn't more opportunity to grow in these things. I think Romans 12, uh, the verses that we're going to look at, will really be helpful for us this morning. I think they'll be informative. Uh, but I am thankful that I don't think we're starting from kind of ground zero on this one. I think that, that the Lord and his providence has brought caring people and serving people to Green Tree. And for you all that are, that are joining Green Tree, I think you're joining a church that seeks to, that attempts to care for and serve one another well. And we hope you'll join us in that. With that in mind, Romans chapter 12, verses 9 through 13, hear the word of God. This is the reading of God's holy and perfect word. To him alone be glory. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the life that it breathes into our souls. Father, this morning there are, even in a a crowd of of this size, there are people who need deep, deep care. There are folks who who need to be served. The struggles in this world can be intense at times. They can be deep at times. And were we to be on our own, uh, just trying to get through without being harmed too badly, uh, it could be disastrous. Father, thank you that when you sent the Lord Jesus and he paid the price for our sins, he didn't just save us individually, but he saved us collectively. He saved us to a community, to a kingdom. And you give us one another as a gift. Lord, sometimes we're not a gift to each other. Sometimes we're more of a a thorn in one another's side, but your intention is that we would love one another well because that's what Jesus has done for us. So we pray that you would help us now to worship you with our minds, with our intellect, with our understanding, and that you would take this word and you would apply it to our hearts and minds. Father, forgive me for my sin. Don't let me be a hindrance to your teaching this morning. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Our sermon in a sentence is this, godly care and service are two benchmarks of a healthy spiritual family. If you've been around Green Tree for any amount of time and you've gotten an email from me or you have uh, received even a, a hard copy letter, although we're not doing very many of those anymore because of the uh, electronic revolution, uh, at, the, at the top of the letter it usually says the same thing, dear Green Tree or GTCC spiritual family. And that's not just a catchy little name. There's a reason why I do that. I want to remind us as often as I possibly can that we are not just part of the kingdom of God overall, but he's placed us in a small niche, a portion of his kingdom, and that's known as Green Tree Community Church. And we are family. We are brothers and sisters in Christ, We're not strangers to one another. We're not just neighbors with one another or friends with one another. We are spiritually related through the blood of Jesus. We are a spiritual family with God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ as our older brother. So how we care for one another is of paramount importance. How we serve one another needs to reflect the grace with which we have been served. So we want to look at that this morning uh, and pray that God would allow us to continue the health that he has given us, but grow it even more. We're going to talk about service first, and then we're going to talk about care because service is a little bit easier to get our minds around. Care is a little, a uh, little tougher. There's a little more to it. There are a few more layers to care than there are to service. So we're going to we're going to uh, identify service, and it's very important. But then we'll spend a little bit more time with care. So when Scripture talks about serving or service, it's talking about the care, typically of the spiritual family's physical needs so there there's something that is lacking or is there there's something that needs to be improved upon? There may be someone who is lacking uh meals and they they need a physical meal. They need to be fed. It could be that there's uh, something wrong with the home in which they live, and they're not able to take care of it themselves or fix it themselves. Perhaps they're a widow in need of some kind of physical help. The notion of service is the notion of giving physical help. So for example, we have uh, in June every year, we have 2028, right? We call that Serve Our City, and we spread out around Kirkwood and around the larger St. Louis area, and we physically serve others, uh, and part of our spiritual family. We have a group of people at Green Tree known as the deacons. The deacons' responsibility is to help care for the physical needs of the congregation. This coming Thursday evening, uh, weather permitting, there'll be a lot of folks on our parking lot as we participate in the Kirkwood Walk and we host the harvest party. And if the weather's nice, if it kind of keeps going, October keeps going the way it's been going, there could be up to a 1,000 people... On our parking lot, many of whom will be little ones, and they'll be looking for us to serve them. And there's still opportunities for us to sign up to serve them. And when you leave this morning, if you haven't yet offered to serve the folks that are coming, let me invite you to stop by the table that's in the atrium on the glass wall on the right and sign up to? Good. There are a few of us that are catching up. All right. Outstanding. It's the opportunity to serve. It's the opportunity to care for the physical needs. And remember that this is the example that Jesus himself gives us. I mentioned 2028, our service day. We didn't pull those numbers out of the air. They come from Matthew 2028, which most of you know. that verse says, even Jesus is speaking about himself, and he calls himself the Son of Man. Even if the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So we're simply following the example of our Lord Jesus. We're also following the directive of his apostles. When Paul writes to the Christians in Ephesus, he talks about the leaders of the church and their responsibility in these terms. He, being Jesus, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to to what? what? What's their role? To equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. Part of our work in our community of believers is to serve one another, to, to serve and take care of the physical needs of those around us. So we have not only Jesus' example, but we have the apostles' directive. And then we have, when we come to Romans 12, we have a practical application of this. So the first thing that I want to look at is in Romans 12, 11, these three words, serve the Lord. Right, Paul is not saying that Jesus is going to knock on the door of the church in Ephesus, and they're going to open it up, and he's going to say, "I have a list of ways you can serve me, and because he's Jesus, they're going to serve him right away. I am quite confident that if Jesus walked in the door this morning in physical form and he asked any person in this room to do him a favor by serving them after we picked ourselves up off the floor, right and put our put our tongue back in our mouth and kind of stopped blabbing. We would say, Lord, whatever you need me to do to serve you, I will gladly do it. What Paul is talking about here is a frame of mind. He's saying, when you see the world around you, when you see your spiritual family, when you see the need for service, understand that you should see Jesus and therefore you are serving the Lord. He goes on to explain it a little bit further by saying this, contribute to the needs of the saints. And seek to show hospitality. There's genuine need in our midst. And it, and it varies from person to person, from time to time. You may be in, in need of service this year. And next year, you may be one of the people that give service to someone else. But the notion here is that we are active we have the right mindset, we are, we are serving the Lord, we are contributing, we are giving, we are, we are spending ourselves, our time, and our treasure, and our talent, so that others may be served. But there's a second word that Paul uses in this passage, which is which is even a, a, a bit deeper than serving, it's that word care. And when, when you think of care, I want you to think in these terms, because I believe this is how Scripture puts it forward. I want you to think in terms of mental care emotional care spiritual nurture it's the emotional side of things it's the thinking side of things it's the spiritual side of things and there are people within our spiritual family probably all of us at one time or another have needed someone in our spiritual family to care for us we were discouraged we had been bereaved we, we have been at a loss of something, maybe a loss of a job or a loss of a marriage. We maybe were in a strained relationship and we needed someone to care in a very active way. So Paul calls us to care. When you think about Green Tree, think about the Stephen ministry and the way in which they seek to care for the folks at Green Tree Community Church, our prayer groups, our community groups. One of the things that I would encourage everybody to do at Green Tree is, is kind of break the bigger church down into a smaller church. Get a group of folks around you. Get in a men's group. Get in a women's group. Get in a couples group. We have a men's retreat coming up in what? Chip two weeks, three weeks, two weeks, and then a couple of weeks after that, we have a women's retreat. So you can you can break the church down by going on one of those retreats, and beginning to get to know some guys, beginning to get to know some gals. Because there's going to come a time where you need care. There's also going to come a time when you are called upon to care for someone else. So we need to know one another to understand how to care for each other. Jesus again gives us an example in Mark chapter six. Verse 34, it says this, speaking about Jesus, when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd. He had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. Right before this, Jesus said to his disciples, let's go away to a quiet place. Let's kind of settle things down a little bit. And yet when he gets out of the boat, he sees the pain and the struggle. They're not wandering around literally like sheep. He understands what's in their hearts and what's in their minds. He understands what's in the depths of their souls, and he knows that they need care, so he actively begins to care for them. Well, in Romans chapter 12, we get some really great bullet point statements about how to care for each other, and I want to look at those with you for the rest of our time this morning. The first is that Paul says in verse 9, love must be authentic, right? Love must be genuine. That word there literally means love must be without hypocrisy right? Have you ever had a person come up to you and say, you know, you're talking and you're chatting a little bit and you're on friendly terms and then they go, love you. Everybody, somebody just kind of say that to you real casually, love you. Uh, we used to live in the South when we were first married for about 13 years and everybody in the South loves everybody, right? Just love you, love you, love you, love you. You know, oh, bless her heart, love her. Oh, bless his heart, love him, right? But really what they were saying was we acknowledge that's your existence, right? We know you're alive and, and we're polite folk and we want to we say hi. They weren't saying, I love you, right? It was just kind of a way in which they greeted one another. However, there was a person, and there were several, but there was one person that stood out in our early life together in marriage and in ministry, and that was the Hamilton family. And Lansing and Ian Hamilton were people that kind of took us under uh, their wing when they saw how how much I didn't know about being married, (laughs) how much I didn't know about being a dad, how much I didn't know about doing youth ministry that I I was doing. And they really cared well for us. In fact, my oldest son, Nathan, his middle name is Hamilton for that family. Uh, and I don't talk to Lansing very much anymore, but I talked to her maybe once every couple of years. I happened to be on the phone with her about, about six weeks ago, and there was a chance I was going to be going through Chattanooga. It didn't work out, but uh, so we were talking about that. And when we got done with the conversation, she said, I love you. And I'm like, I, I just went back to sitting at her kitchen table. All those times where we we were doing life together. And when Lansing says, I love you, she means it. And her actions back that up. That's how Paul calls us to love one another. Why? Because that's an example of how Jesus loves us. What do you think Jesus would say to you if he walked in this room right now? We get all kinds of images in our minds. Wish you'd work a little harder. Wish Wish you hadn't done that. Wish you had done that. You say, I love you. I love you. You belong to me. Part of the care of Green Tree must be the authentic love of Jesus, which we experience and then pass around and share with one another. Secondly, Paul says that this this care must be morally discerning. Look at the second half of verse 9. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Now, some things are obviously evil. This Harvey Weinstein thing that's happened over the last few weeks, when you use your power to abuse someone else, when you use your power to intimidate someone else, to force them to do something that's going to make you feel good and make them lose their dignity, pretty much everybody agrees that's evil. That is, that is, that is the definition of wrong. You can't put enough words to that. How could somebody with that kind of authority think that that was okay? But there are a lot of other times in our culture when good and evil can kind of get mixed up and we're not sure which is which. And, and we like to say things, well there's a lot of gray area out there and we ought not be too sure of ourselves when it comes to calling something evil or calling something good. But if Green Tree Community Church is going to be a safe place for people who have experienced things like these women have experienced at the hands of Harvey Weinstein, we must understand the difference that God says is between good and evil. Harvey Weinstein's not wrong because man says he's wrong. Man has no right to judge him. God says he's wrong. You look in God's word and what it says about how to care for other people, how to put others' needs ahead of yourselves. It's not society who dictates good and evil. It's God who speaks that eternal truth. And Scripture alone must be our moral compass. But if it is our moral compass, we will care for one another well. Thirdly, not only is love to be authentic and we're to have a moral discernment, but part of our care is simply to be friendly and respectful. Look at verse 10. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Now, bro- brotherly affection is a little bit different than the, you know, the, the self-sacrificing, give it all away kind of love. Brotherly affection means you can kind of punch each other in the shoulder. And you kind of have jokes that you share that maybe nobody else understands and gets. You can kind of tease one another. You can sit and, and hang out for a couple hours and you don't have to have that much conversation because you just know you, you really love one another. You really have a lot of affection for each other. And that that should be given to everybody. Outdo one another in showing honor. There isn't anybody who walks through the door of Green Tree Community Church or walks into your life or walks into my life the other 6 days of the week that doesn't experience the gift of human dignity. That isn't acknowledged by us as being created in the image of God and deserving of our love and our care because that's what Christ has done for us. Very early this morning, I was going through the drive through at McDonald's. Right next door is my typical habit, four or five days a week, and I'm in a bit of a rut. I get a bacon, egg, and cheese biscuit, and I was going through the drive-through this morning very early, and the guy comes to the window, and uh, I gave him my debit card, and he says, good morning. I said, good morning. He gave me my card. He gave me my little receipt back, and then because it was so early in the morning, it was just him and me. When I drove up to the next window, he had gone around, and he had my bacon, egg, and cheese biscuit for me, and and as he handed out the window, so, Brant, you're me, and I'm the guy at McDonald's, he handed out the window, and he looked at me, and he said, now, you have a blessed day, and he smiled with a real big smile. And I had two thoughts crossed my mind. One was I was just so encouraged. I mean, it was just so kind, right? And it was authentic. And the second thought I had was, I really hope McDonald's does not outdo Green Tree Community Church in showing honor to others. I don't care if they make a better Big Mac than us. That's okay. They're supposed to. And I know some of you can grill a mean hamburger. But God forbid that somebody who's just being friendly at a drive-thru, would, would put the kingdom of God to shame with showing honor and showing a simple brotherly affection. Does every person who, who walks through our door sense? We're just happy to see them. Take a minute and, and just acknowledge that we're thankful that they're here. Fourth thing that, that Paul points out in this passage is that there must be in care a spiritual passion. Look at verse 11. Do not be slothful in zeal, but fervent in spirit. And then there's that phrase again, serve the Lord. There's a sense here of an unquenchable care about the condition of the souls of the people around us that we are going to be zealous. And sometimes care is really hard. Sometimes care takes a lot of time and a lot of effort, a lot of energy. And sometimes when you're in the middle of, of trying to care for someone, you're kind of scratching your heads, going, I'm not even sure I know what to say at this particular moment. You know, God, here am I. Send somebody else. Send a Stephen minister. Send him somebody that knows what to do here. Sometimes it's just really tough to care for one another and you want to quit. You want to quit because it's hard and it's tough and you're afraid you might say the wrong thing. And God says, don't you dare. I put you right there for a reason. I've, I've put you in your life. You might not understand it, but I understand it. Don't, don't be slothful in this. Don't take your foot off the gas pedal. Be fervent in how you care for one another. Uh, Winston Churchill gave a speech that's been misquoted over the years, and I'm actually going to read the entire speech to you this morning, so buckle up. It's two whole paragraphs long, very short. He gave it in 1940 in October uh, after the the Battle of Britain had been been won as far as the air campaign, and, and they were breathing a little bit easier, and he's speaking to a group of graduates at the Harrow School for Young Men, and he says this, never give in. Never give in. Never, never, never. In nothing great or small, large or petty. Never give in except the convictions of honor and good sense. Never yield to force. Never yield to the apparently overwhelming might of the enemy. We stood all alone a year ago, and as I said 1940 it's actually October of 1941, sorry. We stood all alone a year ago, and as many countries had, it seemed that our account was closed. We were finished. All this tradition of ours, our songs, our school history, this part of the history of this country were gone, and finished, and liquidated. Very different is the mood today. Britain, other nations thought, had drawn a sponge across her slate. But instead, our country stood in the gap. There was no flinching, no thought of giving in. And by what seemed almost a miracle to those outside these islands, though we ourselves never doubted it, we now find ourselves in a position where I say that we can be sure that we have only to persevere to conquer. That's the passion that Jesus gives us. It's the longing to never give in. To, there, there is no acceptable loss number when it comes to human souls, when it comes to the care of the people of Green Tree Community Church. We're willing to stick it out even when we're, we're wondering why the Lord picked us. And yet be faithful because we know that God's grace is sufficient for all things. And the last observation in this passage is in verse 12 that care really takes great spiritual wisdom. Paul says, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. One of my friends after the eight o'clock service said, hey, there's a theme verse for the St. Louis Blues. Look at that. Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation and be praying all the time for them. So whether you apply it to your favorite hockey team that can't seem to win a Stanley Cup or you apply it to the Church of Jesus Christ, there's some real wisdom in these words, right? We have reason to rejoice We have a hope that is ours. There's one day when we won't need to persevere anymore. There's coming a day when you won't need faith because you'll be looking across the room and there's Jesus. The race will have been run. The victor's crown will have been handed out. And you know that that day is coming. And you rejoice in that when we sing songs. Probably a good half, if not more, of the songs we sing at Green Tree are rejoicing in the hope that is ours. But we also know that that hope is fulfilled today. And sometimes today is really, really miserable. Sometimes today you just can't see the beginning from the end. Sometimes there's a day where if somebody doesn't care for you, it feels completely overwhelming. And the way to, to care for a person in that moment is not say, now you just need to be patient in tribulation, all right? You need to share your patience with them. You need to help them understand that they're not in it alone, that they're actually cared for because they belong to a spiritual family. Great spiritual wisdom, a mature perspective, understanding that life is not lived in a day. The ability to ask the question, what's necessary now, but also to be able to ask and answer the question, what is always necessary? And that's the third part of the line, be constant in prayer, right? That's what we need all the time. I pray that, that God is creating and will continue to create a caring and a serving spirit at Green Tree Community Church. Lord knows from what's been happening in our culture, it is certainly necessary. Many of us come to church on Sunday morning bruised and battered, sometimes barely able to put one in front of the other, sometimes because we need to be served, sometimes because the things around us are kind of falling, falling down and we just need some help. Other times because our lives are falling apart. We haven't been able to share our story with someone else. We don't know if we'll ever be able to. Our current situations are beyond our control and it seems like there is no hope. And that's why we have room to grow. Serving and in care. Serving each other. Caring for each other as as Christ has served and cared for us. That's the mark. That's the target. May God give us his grace to make it his reality in our midst. Uh, I'm going to actually ask Peggy Dimitri to come and finish the sermon for the last couple minutes, because we believe, uh, as we've been talking about the the, uh, uh, worship service today, and actually this sermon topic was picked out several months ago. We didn't have all this in mind, but clearly the events of our culture dictate there's a great need for care. And so we don't want to be just general about it. We want to we put some specificity to it. So as we talk this week, uh, we all vote, we took a vote, and we voted that Peggy would be the perfect person to come and, and bring some specificity to that. So Peggy, I'm going to be quiet let you come talk to us for a few minutes.
1: Many of us here who are part of women's teaching ministry have spent the past week looking at the Sermon on the Mount, and that's where we see Jesus' words, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. When I read those words, I read words of affirmation and invitation and promise. Jesus is recognizing that there is a lot to be sad about in this world. There is sin, death, disease, evil. But he's inviting us to be comforted by him and by one another and the power of his resurrection assures us that evil does not get the final word. I'm going to be honest. I have been undone, brokenhearted at events of the past month. There's been extreme weather and devastation from floods, fires, shootings. Racial divides continue and hate-filled speech and actions And now the revelation of widespread sexual abuse, not just in Hollywood, but all over. And so when we got together to talk about today's worship service, it seemed impossible to not acknowledge what is going on and to say that here, of all places, should be a safe place for us to care for one another. Way too often, victims of abuse do not receive the comfort and care that they so desperately need. Instead, experience shame and guilt. Way too often, the stories don't get told, or they're not believed, or they're discounted. But this has been one time that social media has actually helped our society. And women are speaking out. And one of the big messages is, you are not alone. And so today our church wants to speak up. And we want to say, you are not alone. That this abuse is evil. We hate it. And we care. And so we want to provide a time and a place for you to be cared for. For anyone to share your story, to share your pain, we're going to mourn with those who mourn. Like Tom said, every Sunday there are people who are available for prayer after the service. Today there will be a few extra people available. We invite you to come and be cared for. If today is not the right time for you, you are free to email me. My email address will be on the screen or reach out to one of the pastors You are not alone. What we are seeing is the hurt caused by people who abuse power. But there is one, there is only one, who has all power and all authority in heaven and on earth. And he uses power for something very different. The ministry of Jesus is described in Isaiah 61, and Jesus himself quotes it in Luke 4, and you can see it on the screen, but Jesus uses his power to proclaim good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for captives, and to comfort all who mourn. So we're going to turn to Jesus even right now. We're going to spend some time in prayer. I encourage you, Some of you need to ask God for the courage to ask for care, and that might mean sharing a very difficult story. Others need to pray for the strength to care well for the people in your life who are hurting. No matter where you are, we may all find comfort in the deep, deep love of Jesus. Let's take some time to pray right now.